Hi everyone, Doug Flutie here. This is the Flutie Flakes cast. Uh, my guest this week will be Ian Book, four-year starter at Notre Dame, big-time bowl games every year, two national championship playoff bursts, uh, 30 wins at Notre Dame to, to set the all-time record. Just an amazing quarterback with the anticipation of the draft coming up. I really hope this kid gets an opportunity because he is a winner. Very excited to talk to Ian Book. Uh, Alex Smith retiring after 16 years. Amazing story. Same draft. He, would, he was taken number one in the same draft that Aaron Rodgers was available. Um, Kaepernick takes over his spot. He moves on. Mahomes takes over his spot. He moves on, gets to Washington, has the horrific injury, uh, nearly loses his life. 17 surgeries later, comeback player of the year, gets back on the field. What an emotional year it was. He wins five of his last six starts. A guy that just showed resilience, kept bouncing back from adversity. And I, I don't know, I just always relate. And I talk about Drew Brees and I talk about guys that it was never, even though they were first round draft choices or high round draft, um, it wasn't handed to them. They had to work for everything they got. And that was one of the things I admired most about Alex Smith and his career. Um, I'm sure it's a family decision. Uh, he has nothing left to prove, especially after what he did last year coming back. Um, and I think it's great that, and not many guys have an opportunity to do this, but um, finish winning five out of six starts in your season and, and having a good finish and then say, Hey, you know what? I've had enough. I proved to myself I could make this back. And it just shows his drive. And uh, I, I look back, I played 21 years and I've had my share of injuries, but nothing near that serious and um, to be able to walk away from the game and be healthy is a blessing. Uh, on the other side, last week, Julian Edelman, good friend of mine with a Super Bowl MVP, three Super Bowl wins, seventh round draft choice, guys five foot 10 out of Kent State. He's a quarterback. And he and I are standing on the sideline. Boston College is playing Kent State. I've probably told this story before. And he's looking at me saying, yeah, this Wes Walker, you know, he's pretty good, but whatever. I'm, I'm faster. I'm stronger. I can do this. I can do it. I'm thinking, kid, you haven't even lined up as a receiver yet. You haven't. And sure enough, he, he, he finally got his opportunity to shine and he stepped on the field and made it happen. Uh, his postseason numbers are ridiculous. Uh, 1,442 yards, 118 receptions, second in both categories uh, for postseason play all time. Just, uh, you know, shows you what grit and gut does for you. Both these guys were guys that uh, were ultra determined, uh, motivated guys that were trying to prove people wrong their whole career. Transitions very easily to uh, the SI story this week about Trevor Lawrence. Now there's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is no doubt a number one pick, no doubt a can't miss. He is the second he stepped on the field as a freshman, you knew this kid was a stud. No one's had anything handed to him easily. They've all worked hard. I mean, some guys are just natural athletes that are absolutely amazing. I sort of gravitate to those guys that have to prove everybody wrong all the time. Trevor Lawrence was never one of those guys that had to prove people wrong. He got the opportunity. He had it uh, pretty good. And, um, you know, he made his comment about, he, his worth doesn't come from football, from just football. He doesn't play with a chip on his shoulder. So everybody gets all riled up. You know, in the media, they love to have a story. They hear a cliche and they go after it and they, they try to make a, a bigger story out of it than it actually is. But it does bring to light what motivates players. You know, I, I, I talk about Julian Edelman. 
him having that chip on it, trying to prove he was better than Wes Welker, trying to prove at 5'10 that he can play forever and, and, and have the type of career he had. Or an Alex Smith trying to prove he can come back from an injury. A guy like uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick year after year. You, know, you, you see the gut, the grind. You know, I think back to why I played. I played 21 years. And I remember he, in an interview, Steve Grogan being asked why I was, you know, why do you think Doug's still playing? And he said, he's still trying to prove people wrong. And he's absolutely right. From the day I stepped on the field, I was trying to prove people wrong. When I was in high school, I was too small. They were afraid to put me in at quarterback because of my size. They played me at free safety a little bit and then eventually let me play quarterback. To go to a division one school, I had a recruit from Ohio State come in and tell me, look, let's face it. You're not going to be a division one quarterback. You're a pretty good athlete. All you need is, is a little bit of motivation and have that chip and it drives you. All athletes need something on a daily basis that motivate them. For me, it was all the naysayers and the fact that I grew up in a family where if I didn't earn a scholarship, I wasn't going to school. I had the opportunity to go to Harvard, Brown, all the Ivy Leagues. Um, my guidance counselors wanted me to go to Harvard so badly. And I'm like, I'm going to come out of here with a massive debt. I'm not going to. Football is important to me and I need the scholarship. And Boston College offered me late. I saw Alabama, Miami, Penn State on the schedule. And I'm like, I want to be a part of that. I want to do this. And I was very, very fortunate to get an offer. But I knew at a young age that that was the only route I had. It's, it's the fear of not being able to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish, the, the, the fear of failure that, that keeps you motivated on a daily basis. You have to do it. And I, I remember sitting in a circle with the guys in New England back in the late 80s. Um, and we were just talking about growing up as, in our childhood. We all could relate the stories of electricity being turned off in the house for weeks at a time, not having food in the house. My father got paid every two weeks. And I knew that because about 10 days Later, there would be no food in the house for the last three days that we'd walk to school and collect Coke bottles and cash them in to get our lunch money. I knew sports and athletics were my way out or my way up. I wouldn't say out. I'd say my way up. And that was my best opportunity. And I was driven. I can remember at eight or nine years old playing Little League. And it was so important to me. And the other kids were just there having fun, something to do. And to me, winning was everything and playing and competing and I go back to one story when I was 12, my buddy Mark and I, it was an extra inning game that had gotten postponed. And he and I, I was batting first, he was batting second coming up in the lineup. We went down the field and pitched batting practice to each other for about an hour and a half before playing the one inning game where I went on the mound, got three outs. We got up. I hit the first pitch off the fence and center for a double. Mark came up first pitch, base it up the middle. The game's over. We win the championship. It just meant more to us than it did other people. Um, and I think that's what drives a lot of athletes. I think it's what motivates kids that have grown up with a tough child, not tough childhood, but maybe uh, not well off and see it as an opportunity. And that's what I saw it as to just have the natural talent to be able to, to go along and, and, you know, well, I love football. I work hard at it and I'm good at it. Um, I can't relate to that. I, I, I relate to having to be successful and having to, to be driven be better than the other guy because you felt like we had to prove ourselves every day on the practice field and that the big guy that was 6'4 had to prove he couldn't play. 
Really excited for uh, Ian Book. I, I think he's got a great opportunity ahead of him. I just hope someone takes a shot at him. I hope someone gives him a legitimate chance because he's a competitor. He's a guy that's won at every level. Every time he steps on the field, he's had to prove himself. Uh, the first time he stepped on the field against LSU in a bowl game, came off the bench and, and, and comes from behind. And I, I guarantee he's probably not going to be someone's franchise guy because he's not the prototype. He's not 6'3", six, 6'4", six, taller. He's not this. He, they're going to tell you everything he's not. I know he's a winner. I think he can be a guy similar to what Ryan Fitzpatrick has done. Uh, he can go in, be a starter, and win. He's a guy that he studies hard. He's ready at any moment. That is a backup. is a very difficult job in the NFL as a backup to stay prepared all the time. He's one of those kind of guys that is sharp as attack, chomping at the bit, waiting for his opportunity. I really hope an NFL team takes a shot at Ian Book. Remember to get the Flutie Flakes cast on the SiriusXM app or wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to rate and review. Coming up, my conversation with Ian Book. Excited to have a guest this week that uh, I know very well. I've covered for seems like 10 years, Ian, Ian Book uh, at Notre Dame. And uh, it's just four years of starting all the numbers in the world. I think the most impressive one is 30 wins all time record at, at Notre Dame, as well as I just love watching him play. Uh, leading his team, especially when you got behind, Ian, it, it just got fun. When trailing your quarterback rating or grade is 91.2 and the only guy in college football that was better was Sam Howe at 92.5. Uh, how you doing Ian? What's going on? I'm good. Just uh, hanging out back home. Thank you for having me on here. Really appreciate it. You know, you could, you could be going through in spring practice again with COVID last year. That didn't count. You could turn it around and get like the 41 wins and, <laughs> and keep going. I know they, that page I they're is, on their 12th spring practice. I've been watching though. It's definitely weird to be watching now instead of not, instead of being there, but I'm happy for those guys. I think they'll, you know, have a good season. You're out in California now um, at home. And what's the last month or two been like for you? You know, we, I just, we brought up spring practice and the normal routine for you was, you know, you never stop working out, but how's it changed? What's different and how intense has it been? Yeah. It's been an awesome process so far. Um, really just a ton of meetings, obviously with this year, a little different. So doing most of those on zoom, yeah, all of them on zoom. And then, uh, working out you know i was getting ready for the pro day and was really happy with everything you know that happened at the pro day and then after that I, I, i'm home now so working out where i really worked out growing up in high school uh with this trainer i've been i've been with since i was a freshman in high school and doing that and then just getting a group of guys from the sacramento area to throw you know trying to do that three times a week just getting ready for the big day coming up and um uh, just enjoying the process talking to everybody talking football every day and talking with your agent doing marketing things and just Really being just trying to be a professional and just doing football all day, finally, which is awesome. You said your pro day went pretty well. What was that? What was the the whole re, uh, regiment there for your pro day? And who'd you, have, who'd you have running routes for you? Yeah, pro day was awesome. I and mean, I trained about six and a half weeks at a place called MJP in McKinney, Texas. I uh, really wanted to work on, you know, all those drills. I wanted to show my speed. So I wanted to do everything. And I did everything except the bench press, which is pretty normal for a quarterback. Just wanted to show speed and, and lateral quickness as well as getting out of breaks uh, quick. And then um, pro day was awesome. I got there about a week and a half early, started working out with Coach Bayless a little bit, doing all the drills on the turf that we were going to run the drills on when everyone showed up just to get used to that. And created a script real early with Coach Reese and had 
Tremble and, and Brock Wright were tight ends. Uh, we were actually allowed to have – I needed a running back, so we had Kyron Williams uh, help us out this year, which was pretty cool. Uh, and I know in the years before, it's a little bit different. You know, they don't really let younger guys help out, and you have to miss a spring practice. But this year with COVID, I think they, they made an exception. So I had him at running back, and then I had Avery Davis, who could help out at receiver. Javon and Chris Fink came back. So that was pretty awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, so I had, had a good script with them. I think we threw 65 to 70 throws which is pretty high, but I just wanted to show a lot of things and do some things in the red zone and just really, really enjoyed the experience. And I mean, I want to say there's probably three coaches from every team there. So it was a packed house and it was really fun. It was just like everything I thought it would be. I remember going and watching all of the pro days at Notre Dame. So I knew my time was coming and it happened and just wanted to show I could throw the ball with anticipation and make every throw in the field, honestly. So I, I threw out routes all the way on the other hash and just everything to show some arm strength and that was it. It was good. For those of you that don't know, all, all the names he's right on off are all Notre Dame guys that he's played with. A couple have graduated, but but most of the guys are still there. Uh, well, Tommy Tremble, we're going to be in the draft this year as a tight end. He's got some good grades. And I guess throwing with anticipation, it helps to have your guys and running routes that you're familiar with. Yeah, because in training, I'm throwing with, you know, guys from all around the country, which was great. And, you know, it was fun to switch it up a little bit and just throw with some of those guys. And some of them are first, second round picks. But I wanted to get to – I told everybody, let's get to Notre Dame a little bit early. Let's work on a script, get back in rhythm with all those guys. And it was like riding a bike. And then been throwing to them for such a long time. It felt like we just needed probably two times running through the script, and I felt good with those guys. So it was definitely worth it. So what are you hearing about draft? Like, do you have any clue? I don't think anybody does unless you're like the top ten pick, honestly. Um, yeah. I've talked with every team. It's been It's been great. I had, you know – you know, talk to some of those teams even more than once, which I think shows that they're maybe a little more interested, which is good. But at the end of the day, I don't think anybody knows whether that's your agent or whoever it is. It's just hard to tell. And I think even the coaches say it's a crazy process. And even they don't know up until that they got to make the decision. You know, there's a lot of players that they're evaluating and you just got to have fun with it. I think at the end of the day, I just need a chance. And wherever that is, I'll be happy with it. Well, I, I believe that 100%. All you need is the opportunity. I mean, even in Notre Dame, it, you did not come in as the, the guy that, you know, they were expecting to take over the right. reins and all that. And the 30 wins is a record. And the game that you stepped on the field against LSU in the, in the uh, bowl game, that doesn't even count because you came off the bench. Yeah. It might take away from Ian Book and seeing you on the field as athletic as any quarterback on the field. Great anticipation. You throw the short game better than anybody. And and no, and it's not tough. I mean, people don't realize how tough it is to play for Brian Kelly as a quarterback. Yeah. Right. I think uh, talk about the the the, the compliment of uh, Tommy Reese coming in there and how that helped you. Well, I think first with Coach Kelly, they just ask a lot, which is good, though. That's what you want to be the most prepared you can be when you when you leave Notre Dame. But they expect you to complete every throw. They expect you to win games at Notre Dame. That's why you're there. And that's why you were recruited. And that's just Notre Dame for you. I mean, 10 wins at Notre Dame is good, but people are not still happy. They still aren't happy. A championship or bust is literally what people say out there. And that's good though. I think it gets you ready for the next level. And that's just, you know, mentally as well. You know, you got people that demand a lot from you. That's what you want. But adding coach Reese was unbelievable. I think it was just an easy transition for me. He was the quarterback coach, you know, for a few years and then became the OC. It was very natural transition for me. I feel like learning from somebody who's actually, been in the exact position that I'm in made the biggest difference. I mean, he wasn't just the QB, you know, at some school. He was the QB at Notre Dame. He understands all the pressures and all the privileges that that come with being the QB and the big target on your back. And 
when you have someone like that in your corner every day who's coaching you, but is also, you know, had a little bit of a, a big brother feel too. He was there for more than just football, but also life made my job a lot easier. So it was a very smooth transition. I think he's definitely, um, you know, a player's coach. All those guys really like him. And I, I see him being a head coach, honestly, pretty soon. I really do. Well, I saw that in him. Well, I covered him as a player as well. And and he would come off the bench uh, who was whenever it was there. And then he'd come off the bench and he just did everything right. Now, Tommy wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, right? He wasn't going to beat anybody in a 40 and he wasn't. But he just got rid of the ball, threw with the anticipation, did his protection stuff, went through his reads. And he is he's a coach's son and he's a guy that is cerebral about the game. And yep. there's no doubt he'll be a great head coach. I brought up the draft to you and you know, where you may fall and all that. And they're like, they, they can't even differentiate between like Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Justin Fields. It's like, they can't make a decision on who's ahead of who. So I, I I'm like pulling out this list, right? I have this vision of Ian book. I have this vision of a guy that when, especially when you're trailing in a game, it's on, you start using your legs. You're never out of a game. You're going to win football games. And I I'll put you up against any of these guys. Right. Yes, and then, I'm going through a list of Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Trey Lance, Kyle Trask, Sam Ellinger, David Milt, KJ Costello, uh, Jamie Newman at Wake Forest. And you're down at number 14. I'm like, what are you people smoking? <laughs> you know, and, and all that does. And the reason I, sh- I say that list is I feel those are the things that made me driven. When people say you're not good at this or you're not going to be able to do that. Uh, how do you use that for motivation or does it motivate you at all? Or do you like being that under? 100%. Yeah. It's basically probably exactly what you were saying. Chip on your shoulder. Just It's kind of felt that way a little bit in high school. You know, wasn't, I was recruited, but I definitely wasn't recruited the way some people are going to Notre Dame. Got to Notre Dame. It's impossible not to hear the noise. You know, no one expects you to play. So I had that kind of feeling me as well. And then, um, mm-hmm got my opportunity and did everything I could with it. And then now it's the same thing. It's like I'm starting over again. It's like high school recruiting all over again. Now it's like, well, now it's the NFL. Here we go again. He won't be able to do this, this, and this. So it's just the way it's gone for me in my football career. But I kind of like it that way. I don't know. It's just the chip on your shoulder makes you work harder. And it's like I've thrown with these guys. I've played against these guys. You know, they're not talking bad on any of them, but I feel like I'm better than most of them. And I just I feel confident. And there are definitely a lot of those guys – you know, the, the, I think, you know, a few of those guys that you named are, are for, for real top five picks, no doubt about it. But after that, I, sh- I feel like I should definitely definitely be in the mix. And uh, I don't know, it could be the fact of my height and it could be the fact of going, just being at Notre Dame. You know, you no, know, no, it's just the way people evaluate nowadays and it's hard to change some of their minds and that's okay. But just plan on, plan on proving them wrong a little bit. Well, you know, you're right at six foot. And I mean, I, I'm not even 5'10". I'm like five nine and a half. I played 21 years and I didn't have these spread offenses. I wasn't in shotgun, mm-hmm. right? I wasn't back there getting that separation. Drew and I were in San Diego together and Drew was maybe an inch and a half taller than me too, maybe two inches taller. And I did things with protection. I would slide a protection, like say you're just running a Y stick, a little out route and you got a front side read. I'd, I'd slide it instead of going scat protect. I'd slide it to create a little window yeah. for myself. Yeah. And throw the ball through. Drew never did that. Drew didn't. I mean, at six foot, there must be a little bit of a difference between that five ten to six. I and with the offenses today, you got Kyler Murray, you got Russell Wilson. I, height is no longer a factor, and they yeah. can't use that. Um, 
I've always viewed your athleticism as a bonus, continue to move the ball, do whatever, you know, running for first downs. I don't know. There's got to be all kinds of stats about that stuff for you. And, and to, to continue on Trevor Lawrence, you know, we talk about a chip on his shoulder. Trevor Lawrence made a comment in sports illustrated about, you know, football is not the whole, his whole worth doesn't come from football and he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. And people love to take that and take a yeah. run at it. Well, what, what's your view of that comment? I think he's fine. I think they took it and, and ran with it like they do with almost everything nowadays. But, mm -hmm. you know, I've been able to meet Trevor and play him a few times now. I think he'll do, do just fine. I think he's, you know, I think he's the first pick. And I think uh, if you talked to him and he would explain it, it would have been better. It's hard to put everything in writing. I think he just meant the, the, he's more than just a football player, you know. And he yeah. was talking about God and he feels like he's got a, more callings in life, which is totally okay. And then they ran with it. But I think he's definitely driven. He's done the right thing so far. He plays hard. You can tell he's a competitor. But they wanted a story and they got it. First of all, about Trevor. I mean, I, as a freshman, uh, on a now, you you brought Notre Dame to the the playoffs twice in the Final Four, so uh, you've been at that level. And Trevor, in his freshman year, went there and he played his best football mm -hmm. in those playoffs. So I have no doubt about Trevor Lawrence and what he's able to accomplish. Right. But the whole thing, the whole point is, there is more to life than football, and especially going to Notre Dame. That's you know one of the things they harp there is your educate have something to fall back. This Alex Smith retired this week. The injury was just horrific. Um, he could have basically died from the injury he was very close to made the comeback and all, but he retires, but football can be over in a, in, in a moment. So they teach us to be, get your education, be prepared, have a backup plan. And then they give Trevor a hard time because he's actually saying, yeah, I have a backup plan. I have other things in my life. What, um, what, what did you major in at, at Notre Dame? What, what's your backup plan? Yeah. I uh, majored in, I just wanted to get into business school at Notre Dame, obviously very high business school, you know, wanted to challenge myself and get that degree. So that's something I can fall on whenever I need to, whenever football's done. And I, I just picked marketing, felt like it fit, uh, fits my personality a little bit. Don't know exactly what I want, why, what I want to do. Like a lot of people at Notre Dame, they know Not exactly what they want to do when they're like eight years old. Um, maybe something in sales, I don't know, something business and I'll figure it out. But there's an unbelievable uh, Notre Dame, you know, alumni that's always helping people out and I, I will fall on that, you know, when I need to, but something in business, I'm really glad I challenged myself and got that degree. You traveled. I, I forget who did what there. You know, we interview all you guys before the games and all that stuff, but what was your travel during college during one of your summers? What was the coolest trip you took? Oh, I wasn't, I wasn't one of them. Um, you know how they, have, uh, I wasn't. Yeah. Although I actually regret it. The one year I should have done it was my freshman year. They have that great program. They're obviously not doing it right now with COVID, but you could go somewhere for, was two weeks and do a study abroad and I, I didn't do it but I think freshman year was my year to do it you know got football got pretty serious after that so it's a cool program that Notre Dame does and I had friends that went to Greece some that went to um I had my Brandon Wimbush went to Russia so it was really cool I mean it's just a cool program Notre Dame puts on and it allows people to study abroad and that's special I don't think every school is doing that I felt really fortunate to be able to sit in in meetings with all the, all the kids yeah. at Notre Dame. And um, what is this week like for you? You're going to sit home during the draft. You're going to be with family. Yep. I'll be here just with my family um, waiting for a call and living the draft day yeah. experience. You know, I always, I was always told I'd be a great CFL player. And I always took that as a backhanded compliment and I hated it. I didn't want to hear it, but I thoroughly enjoyed those days. I hope, and I, I just want you to get that chance to get on the field and show what you can do. I know you have it in you. I've seen you play for four years. I've seen you do amazing things on the field. 
And uh, I just uh, wish you all the best this week. Enjoy the ride and, and go yeah. get it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me and appreciate all the support throughout the years. It's been a really fun journey. And I can't believe it's the Notre Dame part's already <laughs> over. It's crazy. Yeah, it's just the next chapter. You're going to yeah. have a long way to go, Ian. Thank you. I want to thank Ian Book for joining me, a uh, guy that I covered for four years up at Notre Dame. And I just I just think the world of him. I, I think he's really going to be a great quarterback at the NFL level. He throws the short ball as well as anybody. His anticipation's phenomenal. He goes play action, hits the downfield balls. Uh, he's very accurate with the football, can put it anywhere he wants. And he's very athletic. He's going to make people miss. He's going to buy time with his feet. He's going to make big first downs with his feet. Um, I hope someone takes a shot at Ian Book and, and gives him a real chance. Tom, uh, we'll move on now to some Twitter questions. Yeah, Doug, as always, every week, tweet your questions at Doug Flutie. And I know you really enjoyed this one because you were a big fan. This week, we have a question. Uh, have you ever had a teammate with a bigger smile than Mike Clemens or a teammate with a more positive attitude? Never a teammate with a more positive attitude. And I doubt anyone has a bigger smile than pinball. Mike pinball Clemens is all about five, seven, five, eight, maybe 163 pounds to 168 pounds when he was playing. He was a little water bug. I wish the American public had seen his career in Canada. He was amazing. He, his nickname pinball is because he would bounce off people, spin around, keep a little alive. Gr phenomenal punt returner. I think he held the record for punt returns in the CFL. Um, but he was a great tailback and could catch the ball out of the backfield. And he was to me kind of a mix of, of Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. He, he moved like Barry, like the jump cut, but in a smaller package, you know, he just wasn't as big and strong. He did get a shot in the NFL as a punt returner his rookie year. It didn't work out and he came up to Canada. But when I came over to Toronto, he was probably the best running back in the, no doubt, best running back in the league. And he, he had a thousand yard rushing season, all this stuff the year before. And I basically use him as a receiver out of the backfield. I'm like, I got to get this guy in space. And he led the team with like 120 receptions, somewhere around 120. I think it was 118 receptions he had that year out of the backfield. He was a little frustrated because he wanted to be in the backfield carrying the ball. And I'm like, he came back and thanked me years later saying, you know what, that extended my career. We had fun. We won two championships together and I didn't get beat up as much, but he absolutely amazing. And he's a better person than he is football player. I hadn't talked to pinball in a little while. My parents passed away about five years ago. Pinball shows up in person. You know, it's not a phone call, not a text gets on a plane. He shows up. Uh, he's just that type of person that is uplifting, very spiritual and uh, has the best attitude of anyone I've ever been around. Uh, greatest teammate ever. And uh, it was a joy to play with pinball. Yeah, and always very good when you're in company with uh, Barry Sanders and Walter Payne. So that's high praise. I'm telling you, he runs, he ran routes and caught the ball like a wide receiver. He he knew his pass protections, and he would he would pass, he'd stick his nose in there. He was a tough son of a gun, and he just make people miss in a phone booth. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, this is a question, and I wish we kind of brought this up sooner because it's pretty interesting. Uh, one of the questions is: uh, Is there a CFL player that you have played with or against? that never made it to the NFL, that you thought that this guy is good enough to play in the NFL and vice versa, ever a guy that you played with in the NFL that you thought would be great for the CFL? 
Mm. Well, there are a lot of guys that played in the CFL that for whatever reason, it didn't work out in the NFL. And then the light went on for them and they excelled up there and never really got the shot to go back. And a lot of times it, it comes with maturity as your career goes on. The one guy that comes to mind that I know could have been a stud in the NFL as well was his second round draft choice by the Philadelphia Eagles, Robert Drummond. He got released. He came up to Canada. And he was the reason I moved pinball into the slot and ran a lot of routes with pinball was because Drummond, we had this guy that could run a four, four, but he was like probably 230 pounds in the backfield, like six foot three, six, two, six, three, and was a bulldozer runner caught the ball was a thousand yard receiver, thousand yard rusher, uh, set, set records, uh, touchdown. He set the touchdown record. The one year we were in Toronto, um, he just, he could do everything well. And he had the size and strength and speed to play in the NFL. And for whatever reason, never got that opportunity to go back. In fact, my last gray cup that we won up there in Toronto, we won back to back in Toronto. Uh, we were playing kind of a cold weather game in Edmonton. And I leaned on Drummond in the backfield, both carrying the ball and catching the ball out of the backfield and running shovel passes with him. And one of the big plays of the game was I lined him up the wide and he ran by a, a DB and I hit him hit him over the top on a go route. Uh, he should have won MVP of the game, but um, with my name and the way the CFL felt about me, I, I won the, the team or the game MVP, but it should have been Robert Drummond that day. An NFL guy that I would have loved to have seen play in the CFL. He was a phenomenal punt return, kick return, wide receiver in the NFL is Tim Dwight. If played in the CFL, he would still be running. They still wouldn't have laid a hand. They would have had to put flags on him to maybe reach and touch him. Playing New England in San Diego. I hand the ball off to LT, goes up in the hole, makes a little jump cut, and makes guys miss and takes off. Tim got out to the boundary, saw LT break it, put it in sprinter mode, went flying past LT and made two blocks to get him into the end zone on like a 60-yard run. Um, phenomenal talent. Unbelievable heart. Shoot, Tim had a broken rib, but he had a broken rib against Miami when we were getting crushed. Had a third and 17, jogs right back out on the field and goes and catches a five-yard ball and puts a shoulder down into two guys and comes over to the sideline. Afterwards, they found out he had a collapsed lung, broken rib, and went to the hospital and didn't make the trip home with us. But, you know, he, he just wouldn't miss a play. Opening day, my first game in San Diego, he returns a kick for a touchdown. It was a punt for a touchdown. He's so excited. He runs out on the kickoff, goes down, covers the kick, trips the guy up at the 15 and gets clipped on the play. So they start inside their own 10 on the possession. Comes to the side and I go, Tim, you I didn't know you were on the kickoff. He says, oh, I'm not. I just so, so excited. I wanted to go cover a kick. Tim went down and covered a kick. He could do it all. Keep the uh, Twitter questions coming because it's great. It brings up a lot of stories, reminds me of guys I played with and uh, love reminiscing about those guys, especially guys like Pinball that, that a lot of people in the States don't know about. That's just absolutely amazing. The Flutie Flakes cast is available on the SiriusXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. Remember, the Flutie Flakes cast is part of the SiriusXM podcast network. The executive producer is Tom Cress. The associate producers are Andrew Emmer and Chris Tyler. Sound designed by Robert Moore. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And a special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. Thanks for listening. SiriusXM Podcasts.